This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Hi, my name is Dr. Lou Diaz, pastor of Butte Bible Fellowship located at 2255 Pillsbury Road in Chico. And I'm providing inspirational teaching for you from God's Word each week. Listen to my weekly radio program, Encouraging Words with Dr. Lou Diaz, at 10 a.m. on Saturday or 10 a.m. on Sunday. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Please turn in your Bibles to Joshua chapter 9, and let us read the key verses of this chapter. And they are in uh, verse 14 through 16. The Israelites sampled their provisions but did not inquire of the Lord. Then Joshua made a treaty of peace with them to let them live, and the leaders of the assembly ratified it by oath. Three days after they made the treaty with the Gibeonites, the Israelites heard that they were neighbors living near them. We're going to look into that in a moment. But let's pray first. Heavenly Father, we do need to seek your face when we make decisions. We need to inquire of you before making binding commitments. So Lord, forgive us for the times we've been hasty. Forgive us for the times we have been presumptive. Forgive us for the times where we have run ahead of you without consulting you. We ask for your forgiveness. Help us to learn from this negative example of the Israelites with the Gibeonites. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the title of this message is Inquire of the Lord Before You Make a Binding Decision. Joshua chapter 9. Now I've been a pastor for 45 years. I remember as a young pastor, I got a phone call and this family said, We need you to pay our electric bill because uh, we we need that. And uh, there was something about this that wasn't right. And I prayed about it and I said, you know what? I think there are other ways you should go about this rather than asking us for money. So I said no. And that day I said, Shirley, we're going to go and see this house where there's no electricity. And I believe we're going to see a light show. And that's exactly what happened. We went to the address that I was given, and the lights of the house and the bright blue TV glow was as clear as could be. They didn't need money for electrical power. They were scamming and trying to get money for themselves. You know, we live in a time where we've got to be extra discerning. Because there are scammers that are working. There's false truths that are being spread. You know, somebody gave me a book entitled, get this, Trust Me, I'm Lying. That's the name of the book. And this person said, I'm going to tell you all of my schemes of how I fool people so that you are more discerning. So he said, I wanted to promote a movie. And I knew nobody wanted to see the movie. It was so boring. So I hired 
posters to be put on billboards saying, we hate this movie, this is a movie that no one should see. And it caused such a controversy that people wanted to see it. I wrote articles in small little newspapers. And the, and the bigger newspapers and news outlets like the API picked it up and ran it. And then next thing you know, it's reported on CNN and other things as being true. But I just planted the seed in a small level. And this is how I propagate my lies. This guy's laying it out. And he's saying, this is happening today. You are being lied to. There are many people who are deceiving you. And we're going to learn a lot from Joshua chapter 9 about this. We're going to learn from the Gibeonite example three things. Not all people, philosophies, and practices are honest. Can I hear an amen? Number two, consulting with the Lord is critical. Can I hear an amen? There, we, there we, I hear one. Okay. And then finally, when you are hoodwinked, is the word I was trying to think of earlier, damage control is needed afterwards. So let's look at this. Not all people, philosophies, and practices are honest. What we have in Joshua 9, 3-6 is a clear intent to deceive. It says, when the people of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, they had defeated them completely, they resorted to a ruse. What's a ruse? R-U-S-E. It's an intent, a clear intent to deceive. So, first of all, Christians of all people are most trusting and most gullible. So if we had a, a spectrum, over here are the most gullible people and over here are the most critical people, unfortunately many Christians would be over here on the most gullible and trusting group of people. And these days, they'll use your friends' names to get you to sign up. They'll say, do this for me, take money out of your personal savings account, and you'd be surprised how very bright intellectual people, because they use somebody's name of somebody that they know, trust that person and therefore they act on it and then they get taken for their money. So there are people out there and there are philosophies out there and there are practices out there that are intentionally out to deceive you. Christians, and I'm speaking to myself, stop being so gullible. Stop falling for all these lies. Be more discerning. Now, part of not all people, philosophies, and practices being honest is that they create fake evidence. So here this group, planning to do a ruse, created fake evidence. And we read about it in Joshua 6 to um, 4 to Verse 4b, it says, They went as a delegation whose donkeys were loaded with worn-out sacks and old wineskins, cracked and mended. They put worn, on, worn and patched sandals on their feet, and they wore old clothes, and all the bread of their food supply was dry and moldy. Boy, they're going to put on a show to pull the wool over the Israelites' eyes, aren't they? They've got a lot of fake evidence. And people who are out to deceive you create fake evidence 
So you think it's true. You think it must be correct because of all this evidence. Beware. The internet, the television is full of baloney. It's fake evidence appearing real. And then there's the hardship plea. When they finally get to the Israelites, uh, they went to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal, and they said to him and the Israelites, We have come from a distant country. Make a treaty with us, please. That's a hardship treaty. So they want to get your sympathies. They want you to feel bad for them. And if you feel bad for them, then you're more likely to cave in to what they want to get out of you. And then they use the diversion tactic. When Joshua starts asking a question, they do what politicians do. The Israelites said to the Hivites, but perhaps you live near us, so how can we make a treaty with you? We are your servants. Did you notice that? They're asking them, do you live near us or not? And they say, we are your servants. They did not answer the question. So a politician or a dishonest person who doesn't want to address the issue will change the subject. Watch out when you're trying to get something out of them and they change the subject. Next, there's an expanded lie in Joshua 9, 7 to 13. But Joshua asked, who are you and where do you come from? It can't be any more direct than that. And now they go back to um, tactic number one, which is hardship, and they add a simple word to it. Your servants have come from a very distant country because of the fame of the Lord your God. So when they can't, when they feel like they, they can't evade you and they're not fooling you sufficiently, they just keep adding to the lie and then they know your number. They know what you're interested in. Religion, okay. We're, the fame of the Lord is part of the reason why we're here. Oh yeah, tell me more. So they're going to use half-truths to flatter. For we have heard reports of him, that is of the Israelites' God, all that he did in Egypt and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, Sihon king of Heshbon and Og king of Bashan, who reigned in Ashtaroth. We heard about this reputation of your God fighting for you and destroying your enemies and... We just want to say, man, we, we admire you. Watch out. Flattery will get you everywhere, but when flattery is being used by somebody else, what do you want? What do you want? Be suspicious. Okay, then they're going to use the following instructions line. Joshua 9, 7 to 13. And our elders and all those living in our country said to us, take provisions for your journey, go and meet them and say to them, we are your servants, make a treaty with us. In other words, we're just following orders. You know, the reason we're here is because we were told to come. We were told to do this. You know, I said to Shirley, I think sometimes when you make an order and it doesn't come, that they have a list of excuses 
right next to the phone. I'm sorry, that's been backordered. Next one. Oh, I'm sorry, uh, that's no longer in stock. Uh, but before that, oh, I'm sorry, the truck was diverted. I mean, you've got to have a script for some of these delays in you getting something and then you finally not getting it or, not, or getting something other than what you ordered. And, and these excuses are hilarious because they're predictable. They're so sad. So, hey, we're just following orders. you know. We're... And so then they present the fake evidence. Joshua 7 to 13, For this bread of ours was warm when we packed it at home on the day we left it to come to you, but now see how dry and moldy it is? And these wineskins that we filled were new, but see how cracked they are? And the clothes and sandals we wore are worn out by this very long journey. And, um, and so this is where the Israelites were gullible. This is where the Israelites failed. They did not inquire of the Lord. So consulting with the Lord is critical for you not to be hoodwinked, for you not to be uh, fooled, for you not to be uh, deceived. You've got to talk to the Lord. Joshua 14 and 15 says, The Israelites sampled their provisions. They looked at the fake evidence and looked like it was real. But they did not inquire of the Lord. That was where they fell. Then Joshua made a treaty of peace with them to let them live. And the leaders of the assembly ratified it by oath. They fell for it. Hook, line, and sinker. And for us not to fall into deception, for us to be more discerning, I want to point out Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Many of you know this by heart, and you focus on the top part and the last part, which is trust in the Lord with all your heart, and he'll make your path straight. But there's a middle part to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and it is this. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. So, yes, you're to trust in God with all your heart, and he will make your path straight, but the condition is that you don't make your intellect and your five senses the final decision maker, but you consult the Lord. You acknowledge the Lord. You ask the Lord. You check in with the Lord every step of the way. If you're not doing this, you're going to fall for anything. So be discerning. How can you inquire with the Lord? Number one, Jesus says in the last days, there are going to be people claiming to be the Messiah. There are going to be all sorts of lies spreading through society. And he said simply, watch and pray. Watch means examine. Check it out. A lot of people don't check it out. We get disgusted when we see somebody who copied something on the internet and just passed it on as if it was true. And my wife has been known to send articles to these people showing that it's absolutely false. Stop perpetrating Old lies and myths that have no basis in fact. Have you ever snoped something 
there's a, a site on, on the internet that's Snopes. You look it up and it says that's an urban legend. That's a myth that's been around forever. But now, now, with the, um, with the controversy of the, uh, the, um, the, 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 um, the myths that go on, people say if it's discounted, then it's doubly true. This is killing me. That if you can put, show a person who's into these uh, controversies that someone said it was false, then it's a cover-up because it's really true. So now we have knocked out the basis for evaluation of truth by denying research and saying the research that's against it is a proof that it actually is. What's happened to our society? We are completely unmoored and floating out, being tossed by every uh, wind of doctrine and belief because we are far from the truth. So we need to watch, that is examine, and trust the true sources, and we're to pray. So first thing, pray. Second, look up pertinent scriptures. What does the Bible have to say about it? This is the authority for all life and practice for the believer, the truth. The truth is a sword, and it discerns, and it helps us to pick out lies. Number three, seek out godly counsel. Now, if you're on the gullible side of the spectrum, talk to someone who's more on the critical side of the spectrum. I always talk to my wife, and she normally says no. And you know, I find that if you say no to a lot of bad things, you can say yes to a lot of good things. So saying no is not being unchristian. Saying no is drawing a boundary. And you need to learn to say no. No. <laughs> learn to say that word more often, and you'll be more discerning. And then we need, and God also has placed the, in the church the alarm system of the church, which is people who have the gift of discernment of spirits. If you know somebody who's exceptionally gifted in discerning, you should talk to them. So seek out godly counsel when you're going to make a decision. And then listen to the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit does, He sensitizes your conscience so you can see good versus bad more clearly, um, right versus left in direction more clearly. Listen to the Holy Spirit. He speaks to you through the Word, and He speaks to you through an overly sensitized conscience. He says, walk therein this path. Don't turn to the right, don't turn to the left. With the Apostle Paul, he said not to go into that city, but to go into this city. So we've got to listen and keep in step with the Spirit. If you sense something's wrong, if you see yellow lights and red flags, don't go there. Listen to the Holy Spirit, putting a pause and saying, eh, something's fishy about this. And then, bottom line, do what honors the Lord. If you have a choice between this and that, and they both look equally good, say, which one would honor the Lord more? And go with that. So, we need to consult with the Lord. That's critical. So what happens if you fail? What happens if you made a bad decision because you were fooled? In the case of Joshua... Damage control is needed after being fooled. There was a fallout with his followers. 
It says, uh, three days after they made the treaty with the Gibeonites, the Israelites heard that the, they were their neighbors living near them. And the whole assembly grumbled against the leaders. Okay, Joshua, you ran ahead of the Lord, you didn't consult him, and now you got trouble. You got your people grumbling against you. And then... Um, the curse for dishonesty deserves death. Joshua 9, 22, 27. Then Joshua summoned the Gibeonites and he said, why did you deceive us by saying we live a long way from you while actually you live near us? You are now under a curse. You will never be released from service as woodcutters and water carriers for the house of my God. You see, the Gibeonites purposely lied, purposely deceived with the fake evidence, and the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And what Joshua's doing here is he's having mercy. You deserve to die, but I'm going to make you uh, servants of ours instead. And uh, that's mercy. So we see in Joshua 9, 22 and 27, they answered Joshua, your servants were clearly told how the Lord your God had commanded his servant Moses to give you the whole land and to wipe out all its inhabitants from before you. So we feared for our lives because of you. And that's why we did this. We're now in your hands. Do to us whatever seems good and right to you. So Joshua saved them from the Israelites and they did not kill them. That day, he made the Gibeonites woodcutters and water carriers for the assembly to provide for the needs of the altar of the Lord at the place the Lord would choose. And that is what they are to this day, to the day of the writing of this uh, book, Joshua. Now, here's what I want you to learn. That if you are now saying, thank you, pastor, through the word of God for putting me on alert, so I'm going to be more discerning and I'm going to consult with the Lord before I make a binding decision. Praise God, this sermon worked. If you are now convinced that you've got to examine things carefully and pray and seek godly counsel and look at the Word and, uh, and uh, uh, listen to the Holy Spirit and make decisions that are honoring to God, praise God, this sermon worked. If you realize... And here's the punchline. Realize the true meaning of this passage. You see, the name Joshua, Yeshua, is the real name of Jesus, Yeshua. Only Jesus is the Greek form of the Hebrew, Yeshua. So Joshua is a type or representative of Jesus, the Messiah. We're all under the curse of death. Because we've all lied, we all have cheated, we all have faked other people out, we've all done worse things than that. We're under a curse, the curse of sin. And because of the curse of sin, we're going to go to hell. But Jesus, whose name means God saves, Yeshua, is here to save us. So even though the wages of sin deserve eternal death, the gift of God is eternal life. In Christ Jesus our Lord, Messiah Jesus our Lord. So by trusting in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, 
the curse that's on you for doing wrong, for sinning, is removed. You're completely forgiven. And you're given God's righteousness in, in place of that. And you're put right with God and you have peace with God. And you can head to heaven. All by trusting in Jesus Christ. But you've got to acknowledge Yeshua, Jesus, that He is God's answer to saving you. Would you bow with me in prayer? Oh Lord, when we want to criticize the Gibeonites for doing a ruse, when we want to criticize the Gibeonites for their dishonesty and their lying and their fake evidence, we recognize we are the fakers. We are guilty of lying and cheating. We're guilty of worse things. And we need your forgiveness. Right now we trust in Jesus Christ who died on the cross and shed His blood so that our sins could be washed away. Jesus, come into our hearts. Be our Savior and Lord. Remove the curse from us and give us the gift of eternal life. Your quality of life here and now and life forever in heaven. We want that. So Jesus, we trust in You as our Savior and our Lord, thank you for dying on the cross and rising from the dead so we could be forgiven and adopted into your forever family. We love you. We thank you. We surrender ourselves to you. encouragement? I want to share my spiritual gift of encouragement with you. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521 to find out how you can connect with our weekly worship services and faith-building messages from God's Word.